streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shoss. No Steve today. Uh, he had a family issue that he had to deal with. He, he wished he could be here, but regardless, got a fun show coming. It's the official season preview episode. We've done a lot of these, by the way. You can listen to all of our podcasts over at the Michigan Insider podcast page. It's available pretty much everywhere you get your podcasts, including 247sports.com, themichiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com, where we've published a ton of articles, too. I mean, we've we've done podcasts and, and articles on the freshmen to watch, uh, position group previews, both for Michigan and for opposing teams. Uh, we've done breakout players. We've done, uh, you know, the comeback kids. I know that was our comeback crew. That was a episode we did last week. Um, we've done schedule breakdowns. We've done, I mean, really, really proud of what we've done for our preseason coverage. So if you are like many and you are just now kind of thinking, okay, Michigan plays soon, I need to get informed, uh, you can check out the podcast. You know, if you want to run errands or drive around or, or do household chores while you get informed, or you can read all of our stuff over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. There's VIP stuff too. Some of the stuff is is free. I mean, and then some of it, you know, kind of the inside scoop from from Sam, Sam Webb, Steve Lorenz, Bryce Marich, um, you know, myself and Josh Henschke as well. Um, some of it's VIP. Lots of stuff. You should be able to get your Michigan football fix. This episode. Going to try to keep it pretty simple. So we've got a few categories looking at offensive, defensive MVPs, breakout players, um, freshmen. And and since Steve isn't here, I actually put these questions over on my Twitter page, underscore Zach Shaw. Um, so feel free to play along. There's some polls. Feel free to weigh in as well. Uh, but we can just jump right in. Offensive MVP. So however you want to define it, but I, I posted the Twitter poll. To me, there's really two, three main candidates. Uh, Joe Milton is the quarterback. You know, Zach Charbonnet, presumably starting running back. I also threw um, Ronnie Bell in there. And then I think the fourth and fifth candidates, from what I can gather, would be, would be Giles Jackson uh, maybe you can make a case for Nick Eubanks, but also Chris Evans. So Chris Evans is an interesting one. Our poll is slanted toward Joe Milton. So the official poll, 631 votes, 51% Joe Milton, 36% Zach Charbonnet, 9% Ronnie Bell, 4% other. So not a huge percentage of other. Wolverine Pulse, I mean, he says it exactly how I would say it. If the if the offense is good, it usually goes to the QB. And honestly, it usually goes to the QB anyways, unless the unless the quarterback is bad. I mean, that, it's college football. When was the last Heisman winner? Was it Derrick Henry, the last Heisman winner, who wasn't a quarterback? And so, yeah, if, if your offense is scoring 35-plus points a game, odds are your quarterback, I mean, the, the, you probably even the best running game isn't going to have, you know, four touchdowns, 400 rushing yards a game. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. I, I think unless Joe Milton is – unless either Zach Charbonnet is like the Big Ten's best running back, like a J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor type, 
or Joe Milton struggles more than maybe we're expecting. It's probably going to be Milton. Some other people who weighed in. Uh, Daniel J. Whipple says not Zach or Bell because if the RB plays well, opens up the pass. If a RB has a if a wide receiver has a great game, the credit goes to the QB. Milton may be the only choice. Uh, Dennis Kylie weighs in says don't sleep on Evans or Eubanks slash all. And then Defiant One says Chris Evans. So yeah, I think there's a case Evans is interesting because I think he could be the all-purpose yardage leader and that might help him get the get the honors um, I'm, I'm a little I mean there's a lot of positive buzz about Evans I oh was it was it Josh Ross or someone asked Josh Ross on, on Monday you know who the most dangerous who might surprise people the most on Saturday and he said Chris Evans and, and they're friends and they've they've known each other for several years but um notable i mean josh ross is not i mean he could have said nobody he could have said everybody he could have listed five people and he said no chris evans um so certainly something to keep in mind i'm gonna go with zach charbonnet actually um just because i i think there's a there's a variance a little bit with joe milton i mean he could be he could be great no one's saying he, he can't be, but but there's certainly the possibility. I'm a little bit more inclined to think. Sh- I, I'm very confident Charbonnet will be excellent. And Steve Lorenz, actually, he weighed in with his answers. He said Charbonnet as well. Fall camp reports, really, that even in a crowded running back room, a healthy Zach Charbonnet is a potential, well, I mean, frankly, with Journey Brown out, I think a healthy Charbonnet could be first team all Big Ten. Not predicting it. There are other running backs to to keep in mind, but with Dobbins, Brown, and and Taylor all gone, it certainly is possible Charbonnet could be a, a rushing force. Plus, as we've discussed before, does I mean how many how many games is it gonna snow? I think the high on Saturday for the season opener is thirty degrees. And so is this a season where Michigan just says, you know what, we'll we'll pass when we need to, but maybe we're just going to play some smash smash mouth football. And I know that's it's not really music to to Michigan fans' ears, but that's kind of the reality of playing in the North, right? <laughs> it could be. I think the average temperature for these games is going to be like thirty five degrees, and so so we'll have to see. Now for the defensive MVP, I, I picked a couple. Candidates, Quiddy Pay, Aiden Hutchinson, Dax Hill. Also gave people the option for other. I think Cam McGrone is certainly a, a worthy choice in the other section. Could throw Josh Ross in there. I mean, if he has a breakout season. Michael Barrett, Vipers put up numbers. Brad Hawkins, re- returning starter on, at safety, who we've talked about being maybe an unheralded player. Vince Gray. You know, he's going to have a big challenge on Saturday. But with with Rashad Bateman, they, they play a few good receivers this year. But in my poll, and I post on Twitter with 172 votes, Aiden Hutchinson got 53% of the vote. Quiddy Pay got 30%. So those two alone take up about five-sixths of the votes. 12% said Dax Hill. 5% said other. Adam actually tagged Cameron Grone in it. So thanks, Adam. <laughs> Glad, glad Cam saw that I didn't include him in the in the in the. I only get three poll options because I have to go with other. Uh, I would have put. I thought about McGrone versus Dax Hill. I think, I think Hill 
has a slightly higher ceiling, although McGrone was, you know, a top, I think a five-star in 24-7's rankings. Uh, Wolverine set, Pulse says, if it's one of the DL, can bank on the defense being pre- pretty good this year, even with questions at corner. So I actually have a story coming up about this that I really think this defensive front, one, I think it'll be good, but I also think it has a chance to be exceptional, like elite, like 2016 level good, could argue maybe even a tad better. And I think if it does that, I think Michigan's ceiling or what what it can accomplish this season significantly changes. You know, I think people say what's a successful season. Coaches, I think it was John Beeline that, that first enlightened me to this, is that a successful season is if you got the most out of your team. You know, if in, in 2017, Michigan was probably too young, and they had too many quarterback injuries, too young at wide receiver, too young on the offensive line. So even if they got the most out of that team, I don't think it's beating Penn State could argue maybe could have upset Ohio State but but whereas this year's team the defensive front I don't see a reason why it can't be the best in the country the reason is that it hasn't done it lately that's like the main reason that's a fair reason but in terms of what it can accomplish the ceiling is really really high I mean five returning starters four team captains three players I've seen as top 100 even top 50 NFL draft picks. You know, you, in on the inside, you have Carlo Kemp, who's a what, third-year starter now. You have Chris Hinton, top 50 recruit, Michael Barrett. I mean, I think that front seven can really change the scope of Michigan's season. And they can have a good defensive front and still not be that good, but I, I, think, I think the success of the defensive front will directly correlate to the success of the team. And so I'm actually, I'm going with Hutchinson. I've said it before. I think I think he was really, really close to being the first team all Big Ten kind of player last year. I think he just needed a little bit more quickness, a little bit more speed, because, I mean, his size and strength and football instincts, I, I think Alan Treu compared him to Ryan Kerrigan as a recruit. If you look at his numbers and Ryan Kerrigan's numbers, I mean, if he... He has a chance to kind of have a Kerrigan-type breakout season. I mean, he had six pass breakups last year, uh, around 50 quarterback pressures. Four and a half sacks is not very many. That's a key number to watch. I, I do think they need some sacks from Hutchinson. But he had 70 tackles, lots of run stuffs. I think he can be a beast. Steve went with pay. A lot of similar things you can say. I mean, he's he's kind of got the quickness. It's more about the, um, more about the utilizing it, more about getting to the quarterback. Pretty good read option defensive end to have. I mean, you know, Don Brown. You get him talking about Quiddy Pay. First thing he goes to is, is football instincts and you know, kind of his his football IQ and his intelligence. But I don't know if you're deciding between those two, you're in better shape than a lot of defensive lines. And a lot of defenses, because I think they both can be first team all Big Ten. I think McGrone can be there. You know, Ohio State's returning a number of linebackers. Um, you know, Penn State's got some pretty top shelf recruits. Lots, three new starters, I believe, but guys who kind of like Michigan's offensive line, you know, guys who 
are more ready than maybe new starter would have you believe. Um, so we'll have to see. But And then Dax Hill, I think, can also be first-team All-Big Ten. So all three levels have somebody. I'm going to go with Hutchinson. Steve's going to go with Pay. Next one is the breakout candidates. And so I posted it on Twitter. I included the, the nominees were Ryan Hayes, Chris Hinton, Vincent Gray, and I also gave other an option. Apparently, I picked the wrong other uh, because Hayes got 12%, Hinton got 46%, Gray got 24%, other got 18%. And so some of the responses, I think based on development and pedigree, Hinton, but Hayes has gotten a decent amount of ink. Uh, DFF Blizzard says, my guess is on Donovan Jeter. So that's an interesting choice. And so, look, breakout stars. I think sometimes they're, it's overbuilt up. A lot of times it's just new starters who are good. You know, Michael Barrett could be thrown in there. Um, I think Javon Green, if he's the other starting cornerback, could throw Vastardis, Filiaga, Stuber in on that list. I think receiver, I was very tempted to put Giles Jackson. I, I, didn't, I wasn't sure if he had officially arrived yet or not. I think you could put Giles Jackson. Steve actually went with a very surprising answer, and he said Cornelius Johnson, which makes sense. I think he's going to get a lot of snaps. You know, I, I'm not sure what kind of um, physical gains he's made, but I know he's pushing for a starting job. He has a lot of height. So he's going to be utilized. I I think I think I'm gonna go with Ryan Hayes actually. So I was surprised he he wasn't only got twelve percent of the vote. But I think if there's if all, of all those players I listed, one way to look at breakout stars is how likely are they to go pro after one season. And I I really think Hayes. I mean I don't think he will. But I think he's gonna be in a situation where he's gonna have a decision to make. Same, same with Mayfield. I think, I think he was always supposed to be kind of one year behind Mayfield because he played. He was a little bit lighter in high school, played more tight end, um, was a bit more of the quote unquote project. But I think it's very telling that no one even really talks about him as like, yeah, we'll have to see or oh, he's really looking good in this new starting role. It reminds me of Aiden Hutchinson last year where people almost didn't even treat it like they had a new starter. They were just like, no, he's good. <laughs> you know, it's established. And so so he's he he's actually my choice. Steve went with Cornelius Johnson. I'm I'm tempted about Barrett. I, I would actually be inclined to to think about Barrett as as an option because Vipers always put up numbers in Don Brown's defense. Um, but I think Hayes I just don't see a situation where he isn't a net positive left tackle. I guess I guess there's a chance because Carson Barnhart's right there, but I, I think I think they're very confident that he can be, you know, second team all Big Ten type of tackle this season. Next question, and we actually did a whole podcast on the freshmen, so feel free to go listen to that. But standout true freshmen, my nominees that I listed were Roman Wilson, Nakai Hill Green, Makari Page. And other. So some of the other top candidates would be Blake Corum, AJ Henning, Zach Zinter. Let's see, who else is is pushing? Kalel Mullings, 
Apache Mohan, RJ Moten, maybe. I don't think I'm forgetting anybody else, but regardless, the votes overwhelmingly in favor of Roman Wilson, 64%. And this is with 330 votes. Uh, Makari Page got 19% of the vote. Other got 12%, and then Hill Green, who, who's who been touted kind of as the top defensive guy, uh, he got 5%. One thing with Hill Green, I don't think I don't see a scenario where he starts uh, unless multiple linebackers get injured, whereas Wilson, I think, could start, and Page, especially with Sammy Faustin moving over to cornerback, I think there is a path where Page is maybe not starting, but rotating in similar to Dax Hill last season. So some of the comments, a couple people pointed out, Michigan only has six scholarship-wide receivers. So odds are if Wilson, who ran a 10-6-7 100-meter dash, 4-3-7-40, I think a 4.06, this is off the top of my head, 4.06 shuttle run. I mean, those are are elite numbers. You you could put those on any team in the country, and they'd be like, "That's that's, he helps us. So... You know, I, I he, it, ball skills are a part of it. Playbook awareness are a part of it. I'm a I'm usually a big believer that freshman receivers really need a year. If you look at pretty much all of Michigan's receivers in history, all of their top wide receivers, I think the top ten wide receivers in Michigan history averaged like 124 receiving yards their freshman year. And then it was their second year on campus that they got up to the you know six six hundred seven hundreds or or sometimes even higher. I think Nico Collins is a good example of that. I think uh, Ronnie Bell is a good example of that. But I do think th- there's something to be said. The thinness of the rotation makes Wilson in, in the, actually the choice for me. I I was tempted to put Blake Corum in there. I I just. I don't think it's fair for me to be so high on Zach Charbonnet as maybe the Big Ten's you know top one, two, or three running backs, and then say, well, but then the fourth string guy is going to get a lot of runs. So I think I think it's going to be Wilson. I think the depth chart's a big part of it. Steve actually, Steve also picked Wilson. Yep. Next one, actually, you know what? We're going to pause, take a quick break, hear a couple messages from our sponsors. We'll be back in a moment, though. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, welcome back to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Let's get back to the discussion, talking about kind of previewing the season, looking at the team, some of the superlatives, I suppose, uh, before the season. Next one, I said, well, I to, I, get, I told Steve to do Unsung Hero, so he picked Will Hart. I, I don't think anyone else is going to pick Will Hart because I actually changed the question to underrated X Factor. So this is someone who... Might not be talked about a ton right now. Might not even be talked about a ton at the end of the season. But it's going to play maybe an, an underappreciated, underrated role in helping Michigan get to its destination this season. So got a lot of responses to it. 
couple for Chris Evans. Zeb plus Giles season, said Michael Barrett. If he's up to the task of being Jabril Khalid good, Michigan will be fine. Uh, that's such a big part of Donnie B's defense. Michigan needs great play there at Viper. Okay. Don't think it's fair to put him in the Jabril Khalid discussion just yet. I do think, I mean, he's similar to Hayes where I, I, he's almost getting talked about less because because I think there's so much um, belief that he's going to be good. And I think coaches, I mean, they're going to talk about who's good. And they have talked about Michael Barrett and Ryan Hayes. But I think there's often in fall camp an effort to, to point out the people who are um, maybe surprising them the most. I think that often gets a little bit more attention in these press conferences. But that's something to consider. Uh, U of M Kerwin, I think, comes pretty pretty spot on here. Uh, the second cornerback starter, yeah, probably. I mean, if they're any good, right? You know, Jermon Green, Sammy Faustin, DJ Turner, Jalen Perry. We think it's green based on how Jim Harbaugh's talking about things. Um, you know, I don't think Faustin would have moved over to corner if he wasn't in that mix. And then before the season, we were pretty high on DJ Turner. But yeah, at some point, they're going to be asked to make some plays. And that's that's on Mike Zordich to, to... I mean, so far, he's done it. So far, he has not missed in terms of putting cornerbacks out there who put up solid overall numbers. And then, yeah, lots of love for Chris Evans, Shane Majewski, Ben Mason as an H-back or, or the line blocker at tight end in the running game. I think he will help set the edge for those backs to make big plays on the outside. Very curious to see how he's used, but that's a good point. I mean, if, if there's anyone who's just oozes unsung hero or underrated X factor. It's it's probably the the senior fullback workout warrior, two-time winner of the team's toughest player award. Um, Derek Fonts says Chris Evans. Cliff Harold says Chris Evans, Chris Hinton. Robert Schultz, this is interesting. Not Joe Milton passing, but him making the correct reads on the read option plays for the running game to be the most effective. And then some. Then he also added, uh, getting lucky with whole position groups not being quarantined due to an outbreak. So that's, yeah. I mean, you know, I think a little tongue in cheek there, but but that is valid. And you know, we heard from Ed Warner today. He's not having the five offensive linemen, his starting five. You know, they're they're practicing together when they have a mask and a face shield, but for like the the bulk of drills and meetings and film rooms, they're not together. Because if, for whatever reason, one of them gets it, he wants to be able to still have five people he could put on the field. So it's a mix of the first string and the second string. Um, because we, we've seen it already in college football. There are teams that are, I mean, right now, more of them are being postponed. I don't think the Big Ten's going to do any postponements. I think they're just going to cancel games. But, you know, if you have eight scholarship players out, well, there's a very good chance that's in cracking into your two deep, right? And so, um, you know, we saw it in the NFL with Cam Newton not being able to play. So, yeah, that's something to consider. Um, Bteaser27 says Dax, a lot of pressure, but his this is his defense to be the dog of. Three votes for Eric All, all within like 10 seconds of each other. But that's that's another one. To, you know, a guy who who loves contact has added weight. 
great blocker, but also a very good catcher. I think quietly could lead the team in touchdowns. So that's something to consider. <laughs> Sean Go Blue, I assume he, a lot of people are going to agree with him. Play calling, open this bleep up. So thank you for making it podcast friendly, Sean. Uh, votes for DJ Turner, Vincent Gray, Michael Barrett, Jamon Green. Mike Sainer still, that's another option. I know, I know Sam did a report. I'm not going to give it all away because it's a VIP post, but sounds like Mike Sainer still has kind of emerged a bit more closer to that wide receiver one. I mean, Ronnie Bell's probably number one, but in terms of who's number two, Sainer still could be an option. So Steve said Will Hart. As far as unsung, I'm trying to think of a player who, even if he does well, isn't going to get the love that that is expected or, or deserved. And I, uh, Brad Hawkins is an interesting one. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Carlo Kemp. Am I allowed to pick a captain and senior starter? I just feel like like even if he does well or improves greatly, I just I feel like it might not get discussed. I think you know I assume Hutchinson and Pay are going to get more of the the cool numbers, the tackles for loss, and the and the sacks, and you assume the linebackers are going to get a lot of tackles, but but I I I kind of believe. I mean, Carlo Kemp he played through some injuries himself last season, especially toward the end of the year. Really started to come on strong as we called it a senior surge at the time. Then he got a fifth year. I I I kind of believe, and I I you know he had pretty good access to facilities in the off season. He's talked about how much he feels like he's improved. I, I'm gonna go with Kemp. He's gonna meet with the media a lot, so maybe he's maybe that's unfair. Um, but yeah, I kind of feel like him, and then and then Nick Eubanks. I mean Eubanks. He, I think he's even admitted he's only taking like one class right now because he was he was just gonna do his fifth year and then and then move on. He didn't realize uh, that the season might get canceled, and so um, you know he's he's all football really. I mean credit to him for earning the right to be at that point but yeah no I think he's someone and and tight ends do they ever get enough love and Eubanks you know he's got some big play potential I think he's also can be a security blanket and then then don't forget the height he's a lot taller than Michigan's receivers you know Johnson is 6'3 everyone else is uh you know my height or shorter so you know 5'11 six foot maybe six foot and a half so I think Eubanks could become a bit of an end zone threat, and then obviously his blocking uh, as well. So I'm going to go with Nick Eubanks. So the next couple we didn't we didn't actually ask people on Twitter for, um, but biggest win. So they play what four projected top twenty teams in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Penn State, and Ohio State, and then Indiana is in there as well. So which which win is looked back? I think last year the biggest win was Notre Dame, you know, the way they demolished them. The year before, probably Penn State because that team was all right and Michigan once again demolished them. So you know, as for for all the poo-pooing people do about, you know, Jim Harbaugh big games. I mean, he's he's got a few. It's not like he isn't beating anybody. Uh, you know, they're beating top 10 teams, top 15 teams, get, get a couple a year. So the biggest win, Steve and I are both in agreement over this, and this is Penn State. 
And so I've done kind of an opponent breakdown where I break rank Michigan's opponents at each position group. I really just I, – I think straight up Michigan's a better football team than Penn State. I do. I know Penn State's getting a lot more of the playoff love. I know they're getting a lot more of the rankings in the top ten. I don't know if I'd put Michigan in that category, but I don't I don't think I'd put Penn State in there. I I really if you go position by position, I think Michigan comes out on top. The big question is quarterback, of course. Sean Clifford has proven he is a good quarterback. Joe Milton has proven nothing. But running back, I mean with Journey Brown potentially out, even with him in there, I I don't think it's a blow, it's a runaway victory for Penn State. I think it's a push without Journey Brown, wide receiver. I would be inclined to give that to to Michigan. I know Penn State's got some freshmen and some recruits coming in. Tight end goes Penn State, Pat Fryermuth. Offensive line, I I kind of call it a push. Um, Penn State's got a, got a couple guys, but I think Michigan has a bit more size and star power and, and experience. You know, going going through the list, defensive line, I think – I think linebacker is interesting because they've got three new starters, but I think they all can be pretty pretty darn good. The secondary, I think Penn State's got a – but basically, other than I think quarterback, secondary, and running back are really the only position groups where I'm like, yeah, Penn State probably has the edge. Is that enough for them to win in Ann Arbor? Bearing in mind that Michigan will have time to kind of build up to that game. Joe Milton will be settled in. I don't know. I I'm I think they beat Penn State. And I think this season they have a better season than Penn State does. Penn State might not have Minnesota and Wisconsin on the schedule, but I I, I just think I think this is a season where Michigan stumps you know, these two programs kind of go back and forth. I think this is a year where Michigan is the better football team. I do. And so I think Steve agrees with me. Worst loss. So Steve said Ohio State. I'm not sure. I'm not sure who. I guess in terms of margin, it would be Ohio State. But in terms of people shaking their fists, because I, you know, looking at Ohio State, is this not the best Ohio State team ever? <laughs> Potential Heisman winning um, quarterback. You know, what three, four offensive linemen who could be drafted in the first round. You know, a couple of receivers who could join them in the first round, whether it's 2021 or 2022. You know, on the defensive side, a couple of questions on the D-line, but you know, several five-star recruits. You know, the secondary, what was Sean Wade, you know, returning all three or three of the four starting linebackers. This is an amazing Ohio State team. This is, I mean, this, I, I would argue it's their best Ohio, best Ohio State team ever. I have been covering Ohio State, and I certainly haven't been watching college football for forever. But I don't think I don't think anyone should really get too hung up on the Ohio State game. Fine if you do. I understand how the rivalry works, but I think this year they're in two different spots. Now Fields is gone, and maybe things are a little bit more even next year. Different discussion. But yeah, to me, I think the worst loss. It's just a team I, I just I can't quite see Michigan scoring enough points to win is is the Wisconsin game. I just 
I'm looking at it. I think that's going to be the worst loss. I'm, I'm looking at their defense. They they lose a couple stars in the linebacker, but that's like the one position they can lose stars in and then find new ones. They've had eight players, eight linebackers drafted in the last five years. That's insane. Some teams don't even have eight linebacker starters in five years. And so clearly they're just kind of cycling them in every couple of years. They have a, a, a dynamic duo. I think they've got a really intriguing linebacker core. Um, and then, and then the, the secondary, I think, returns pretty much everybody. Defensive line does as well. That offensive line returns four starters. Not sure about the the running backs. I, I kind of thought Jalen Berger would have proven himself as like the next Jonathan Taylor by now, but he ha- sounds like he hasn't. Graham Mertz may have to play quarterback more than people thought, um, but another, I mean, for once, they have like a top 100 recruit that they can fall back on. So, yeah, I think to me, I just I'm gonna have to be proven wrong on the Wisconsin one. I think they travel a little bit better than than Penn State in terms of playing good out of their comfort zone. And I think they were the better team last year. I know they lost their New Year's Six bowl game, but I think they played a much better team in Oregon. I I really think it's Ohio State, a, a large gap, Wisconsin, a smaller gap. And then I think Michigan, Penn State, Minnesota are all kind of in the same mix. And then as far as final record goes, so they're going to play a ninth game, assuming that we get through the season, but they're going to play a ninth game. So I asked Steve for a nine-game record, knowing that how you do is going to be is going to dictate who you play in that ninth game. So if you win the division, you play the the West Division winner. If you are second, you play the second team. It, you, I'm sure everyone's caught on by now how that works. So Steve said seven and two. The Twitter poll seven and two was the most popular choice. 40% said 7 and 2. Uh 31% said 6 and 3. 25% said 8 and 1 or better. And then 4% said 5 and 4 or worse. So not a lot thinking that this is going to be a down year for Michigan. I mean, I think 6 and 3 you have to look at that the same as a 9 and 3 season, don't you? Maybe slightly worse. But I mean, if you think about, you're probably getting two non-conference wins for sure, and then maybe splitting with with that. So anyway, as far as the final record goes, Steve said seven and two. I I can't quite get there yet. I I think there's there's just a little little too many unknowns. I'm gonna say six and three, and I kind of look at it like this: if they if they go five and three in their first eight games, they're probably playing a team that they should beat pretty soundly in that ninth game. If they go six and two, I I wonder about that game and and, and it's probably another toss up 50-50 game. But I think I think they lose I'm predicting them to lose to Ohio State and Wisconsin. And then Penn State and Minnesota, I I think they can beat both. I think if you ask me to pick each game one at a time I would say Michigan wins but do I think that they win both knowing that one's on the road one's against a team that might have playoff aspirations I just I think they go one and one so I'm gonna say six and three in some capacity 
probably still a top 25 team at that point. That means that they beat maybe two good teams because Indiana is another, another test, another team that could be ranked, another team Michigan has to play on the road. So it would seem to me like they'd still be a pretty good good ball club, but 6-3 and three is my prediction, 7-2 and two is Steve's. Let us know what you think. Either comment on the story over at 247sports.com. You can you can tweet at us, underscore Zach Shaw, at TremendousUM. Uh, love love to hear the feedback, but those are that's how we think the season will unfold. Be sure to let us know what you think. Check out all of our stories over at themichiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. I mentioned a lot of stats and players and kind of justifications. Uh, it's all there. I've written about it all. So be sure to check it out if you like. Sam, Steve, Josh, Josh, Bryce, myself, our national team, doing lots of hard work leading up to this season. So be sure to check it out over at themichiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends, throw us a rating, subscribe if if you're into podcasts. But for now, this has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time.